You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 696 of the Locked on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you live on a Tuesday evening into Wednesday morning. And uh, for the most part on the podcast, we'll be recapping a 123-110 to victory for the Hawks over the Phoenix Suns. But there was one bit of news that hit late on Tuesday, and actually I ended up breaking it for the most part. Um, the Hawks... Now, now, as I record this, have officially waived Paul Watson, but I reported that before that transpired. Watson was on a 10-day contract with the Hawks that was going to expire uh, actually on Wednesday, but the Hawks went ahead and gave him, um, I, I guess, part ways with him a, a day early. Um, the part that I reported that is uh, still out there and unconfirmed at this point in time, but I'm very confident in it is that the reason why he was waived the day early is that he's going to be signing a two-way contract with the Toronto Raptors. That'll be interesting, obviously, and we wish the, the best for Paul Watson. But from a Hawks perspective, um, Watson obviously frees a roster spot up. We will see what the Hawks elect to do with that roster spot. They now have, they're now back to 14 on the full roster in addition to the two-way to the two way guys in Brandon Goodwin and Charlie Brown. There would be some incentive for the Hawks to go ahead and promote Brandon Goodwin to, a, to the full roster with a full-time contract because as of January 15th, which happens to be... Wednesday, that's the last day that you that you could actually sign a two-way contract this season, which is why they're always sort of a flurry of movement right now. Um, if the Hawks have any any interest at all in signing another guy to a two-way contract, the easiest way to do that would be to, to just promote Goodwin to a full-time deal because eventually Goodwin, who is now in the rotation for the Hawks, is going to want to um, – obviously the Hawks are going to want to keep him up as long as they possibly can here, and eventually the clock's going to run out on his two-way, con- his two-way contract. So go ahead and do it now. That would make some sense. I'm not reporting that, but it's definitely uh, something that's been in my head now for a while is in my notes even before the Watson news broke um, on Tuesday. But uh, we'll see if the Hawks are willing to do that or able to do that with Goodwin. But um, obviously, the at this point in time, Paul Watson is going to be off the roster officially, and uh, we will see what the Hawks choose to do on Wednesday and beyond with their extra roster spot slash two-way contracts. Okay, to the game itself, and obviously, as I said before, the Hawks won this game by, th- by 13 points. It was the last game of the first half of the season. Obviously, coming into the night, the best the Hawks could do was win a ninth game in the first half, but... Uh, Nine and thirty-two. The first half is not great. That kind of goes without saying. But still, nice, to, nice to end the first half, quote unquote, on a high note with the win here. Particularly after four straight losses for Atlanta, they were underdogs in this game as well, even at home. Uh, and with Trey Young back, both DeAndre Hunter and Trey Young were listed as questionable coming into the game, um, but were upgraded midday by Lloyd Pierce, and then both guys ended up playing in the spot. Alex Lynn was on the injury report originally as doubtful with lower back pain, and uh, he did not play in this game, leaving the Hawks pretty shorthanded in the front court. They were without Jabari Parker and Bruno Fernando as well. Bruno actually um, is now back with the team after being away um, after the passing of his mother, and we want to definitely uh, send our condolences to Bruno on that. But he is now back with the team. He was in the building tonight, was not active, was not in uniform. But um, I, I assume he'll be back and uh, playing again on Friday, and we'll see how that goes. But in, in this game, of course, the Hawks were very shorthanded. They only had two center 
center-sized players with John Collins, who obviously is the team's best power forward as well, and Damian Jones. Then you get into at the, at the power forward spot. They really only had DeAndre Hunter, who's also probably more of a three, and Vince Carter. So they're very short-handed in the front court. Did a pretty good job to get through this game and uh, with plenty of shots out to uh, Damian Jones and others for the way they play in this spot. But still, um, the Hawks, you know, it was, it was kind of a back-and-forth game in a lot of respects. A, a couple of runs in the second half, obviously, and then a big flurry at the end by the Hawks to get the win here. But we'll start at the beginning, as we always do. Uh, Pierce in the pregame stressed that foul trouble because of all the injuries was going to be something to something big to avoid for the Hawks and almost on cue the Hawks had foul trouble a lot of this night and uh, still managed to actually outperform that and sort of hold off the charge even with their shorthanded roster but uh, within about two or a, two and a half minutes I would say in the first quarter Ken Reddish had two fouls trying to guard Devin Booker um, and and after the game Pierce did credit Reddish and DeAndre Bembry both for having good defensive nights against Booker I would agree with that even though Booker had a big game in terms of scoring those guys did a pretty good job on him and it was just a lot of the one-man show stuff for Booker in this spot and they did a pretty decent job holding him in relative check I would say well the Hawks uh, Hawks took a lead early on on a 9-2 run that featured two blocks from John Collins he actually has he's actually had multiple blocks in the uh, last five straight games and Pierce now almost unprompted has brought up Collins block shots and a couple different media availabilities this week Um, it's worth pointing out that you know we spent some time last year I've said this before on the podcast this year I'll say it again now Collins had this weird stretch last year where he just just was not generating blocks or steals and this year he's blocking a lot of shots which is good Uh, he's around the rim a lot right now and even Pierce said that he's around the rim more than he's been in the past because he's playing more center but still you know the fact that Collins is getting those productive numbers defensively is not everything you know you can play defense without blocking shots and without getting steals but it's good to see his activity rising, and with it comes blocks and steals, and he had a couple couple more in this game, which is good to see from John. Um, also, eight points early on from Kevin Herter in this game. He was very good throughout, but a nice, strong start from him. There were some lineup questions. I will say the Hawks managed to escape without damage at the end of the first quarter when they went to the bench for the first time. An all-bench lineup of Goodwin, Crab, Bembry, Carter, and Jones. That's not one that's going to it's going to work a whole lot, but it ended up holding up for the most part. And then Goodwin hit a three at the buzzer to go up by three at the end of the first quarter. Um, in the second, the Hawks took a nine, uh, as many as many as a nine-point lead midway through the period. Um, actually, sort of an and one style ball handling exhibition from Brendan Goodwin in the backcourt, which made uh, the viral rounds around the NBA world. That's pretty funny. And the bench went absolutely crazy. Trey Young and others were running out near the basket. It was a lot of celebrations in this game for the Hawks. It was actually fun to see that. Fans noticed as well. Um, at least in the building, I got a lot of people tweeting me about how happy the Hawks look to be playing basketball, which is not the way that they felt this year. There's been some quotes that have been pretty ominous for the locker room, but they were they seemed pretty fired, fired up in this game. Obviously, it helps to win, but um, really the entire time, the Hawks were energized on the bench, making a lot of noise and celebrating, and it's, it's always fun when that kind of stuff happens. Um, I would say the biggest key, other than just individual player stuff in the first half, was the offensive rebounding. The Hawks had 10 offensive boards in the first half. That was 44% of their misses. That's a massive figure. Especially for a team that's got that's sort of a bottom, I'd say the Hawks are a bottom 10 offensive rebounding team this year. Um, so to have all those extra possessions created was huge. They had 19 second chance points in the first half. That's a massive figure also for the Hawks. They didn't even shoot the ball that well in the first half. They shot the ball 47% from the floor. It ter- was not terrible by any means, but didn't shoot great. But only had six turnovers before halftime, and all those all those offensive rebounds, second-chance points, that allowed the Hawks to post a 124 offensive rating and lead by five points. That was pretty big um, for Atlanta. It definitely cooled off after that in terms of the uh, offensive rebounding did, and the turnovers did rise in the second half. Then they actually shot the ball better, and that sort of leveled things out on the whole. Um, interestingly, we will see, uh, you know, in the third quarter, 
it was a lot of back and forth as well. Um, the Hawks built their largest lead of the game with a 16-6 to overall run. They scored the first seven points of the third quarter. Um, there were some fouls, though. Um, DeAndre Hunter got, got his third. That led to Damian Jones checking in pretty early. And then Collins got and then Collins got his third as well shortly thereafter. But the Hawks did create a, uh, a timeout situation with Collins hitting a three. Um, I thought it was pretty interesting to note a visible reaction from Collins in a positive way after he made the big three to send the... Um, the Suns into a timeout break. He had been cold, very cold, I would say, from deep in this uh, in the last couple of games here, and he actually had another one right after that that he shot confidently in a catch, a catch shoot situation to put the Hawks up by 14. Um, but you know, again, led led by as many as 15 there, and then led by 14. But then the Suns really started coming from there. They scored 11 points in a row to cut the lead from 14 down to three. There was some officiating stuff that um, I thought Lloyd, Vince Carter, and Trey Young were both pretty bothered by the officiating in that one stretch. The Hawks didn't score for almost three minutes of clock time. Finally, Bembry hit a three from the corner to snap the uh, the dry spell, but that was a big swing in the game at that point in time, and it felt like Phoenix might be able to uh, come back and win this one, frankly, at that point, um, because um, overall it was a 22-5 to run from the Suns to uh, take a three-point lead. So they went they went from down 14 to up three, and that's a big, big swing there. There was a, there was a, bad, miss from, a, bad, a bad miss three by Collins, and then Booker hit a three in that, in that same stretch to go along with the turnover. So... Like it, it felt kind of dire at that point in time, but as Pierce said after the game, it was actually kind of big that the Hawks were able to hold off that run to some degree and actually take the lead back at the end of the third quarter with a nice little flourish. They actually connected on a herder to Collins lob to end the quarter and beat the buzzer. And uh, a pretty big meltdown, I would say, by the Hawks late in the third quarter, but still did enough to be in a pretty good position as the fourth quarter opened. By the way, Kevin Herter had a career high in rebounding at the end of the third quarter. Um, so that tells you something about, we'll come back to him later on, but that was pretty interesting, I thought, in a lot of ways here. Um, but in the fourth quarter, it was a lot of back and forth as well, still. Um, there was a nice dunk by John Collins to open the fourth quarter up, and then a 6-0 run by Phoenix, and then a timeout with the uh, Suns up by three. From that point forward, though, it was all Hawks, which is good to see. Obviously, you know, from down three to winning by 13 in the fourth quarter, that kind of tells the story um, in itself. It was a 39 to 27 fourth quarter. Um, and but there was but there was foul trouble, and that kind of led to some uneven lineups. But that was a nice three out of a timeout by Kevin Herter after a nice kick out, nice kickout pass by Cam Reddish, which I thought was good to see. Um, four three for Kevin at that point in time, and then Trey Young sort of took over in the fourth quarter of this game. He hit back to back threes to put the Hawks up again. Uh, did, he did miss the next one pretty badly on uh, what, what Neek would I'm sure would describe as a heat check. It was pretty funny, kind of a bad shot by Trey, but he came back and. Um, did more after that, of course, but a 13 to five run overall, capped by a dunk by Reddish to put the Hawks up by five. They never trailed again from that point forward. It was a pretty, pretty sizable bench eruption after that Reddish dunk to force the timeout. Um, it did get a little bit dicey at times, but overall, the Hawks had a 16 to five run um, and stretched the lead up to uh, eight points. I thought it was a nice big shot by Hunter at one point in time when the Hawks were only up by six. Sort of a broken possession, a loose ball that he picked up and had to sort of sort of shoot a mid-ranger um, contested at the shot clock buzzer that he actually ended up making to go back up by eight points. Then there was a technical foul on Kelly Oubre, uh, and then kind of the biggest flurry came from Young. He scored nine points in 61 seconds which is always pretty good, obviously, to put the Hawks up by 11 points. He was giving Ubre the business, um, talking to him. Trey did acknowledge there was some trash talk going on. Uh, Ubre is not shy, but Trey had the best of everybody in the fourth quarter in this game. In fact, he had 15 points through three quarters and then had 21 in the fourth. So he finished with 36 points. We'll come back, we'll come back to him later, but it was obviously the Trey Young show in a good way in the fourth quarter. And then within the last few minutes of this game, the Suns never got, never got closer than seven points. Uh, Devin Booker got ejected, which was probably the, de- the nail in the coffin. And then the absolute dagger was an alley-oop by Trey Young to DeAndre Bembry with about a, 
a minute to go to put the game away. Um, and other than that, the only uh, sort of mystery was the uh, Kelly o- the Kelly Oubre Chick Fil A miss. Um, for those of you that might be unfamiliar, the Hawks do this thing in the fourth quarter where if you if the opponent misses both free throws, um, free Chick Fil A for everybody in the arena. Um, Uber missed the first one, and with the Hawks comfortably ahead, the the crowd was fired up. They made a lot of noise. They did not like Ubre in this game because Ubre goes back at the at the crowd. But anyway, uh, he missed the second one, and it was I, I thought maybe the loudest I've heard the arena this season, which is pretty funny. Uh, but it was very very loud, and when the eruption hit there, and that was kind of the highlight of the final minute. But still, overall, the Hawks getting the win here is the big takeaway, and uh, a 13 point win is pretty impressive. Um, at any rate, after a short break. I want to come back and we'll talk more about the big about sort of the way the team performed in the whole and then some individual player stuff from this spot. But before we get to that, a word from the good folks at Echelon. To get fit in 2020, you don't have to join a gym or pay a ton for overpriced fitness equipment. The best way to get in the best shape of your life is with Echelon. Echelon makes beautifully engineered products for everyone, from busy moms and dads to first responders and elite athletes. Whatever your activity level, Echelon has something for you. And with daily live and on-demand studio classes right in your home, you never have to step foot in a gym. Go to echelonfit.com to discover their X1 connected fitness bikes that offer a high quality at-home cycling experiences at left at less than half the price of a Peloton. You'll love Echelon, but if you aren't 100% satisfied, we'll give you your money back. Join the hundreds of thousands of men and women who are getting fit with Echelon. Go to echelonfit.com slash L-O-N-B-A to learn about their limited time, free Apple iPad, and complete details of this exclusive offer. Echelon, it's your time, so visit Echelon, that's E-C-H-E-L-O-N, fit.com slash L-O-N-B-A, echelonfit.com slash L-O-N-B-A. All right, and we're back talking about the uh, individual player stuff in this game, but before we get to that, I want to just take a step back and talk about the uh, big picture stuff from the night. Um, the Hawks had a 121 offensive rating. That is very, very good. You know, Phoenix is not like an elite defense, but still, the way the Hawks played here with without some of their key players, not their top, top guys, but still some rotation-level players in Alex Len, Jabari Parker, etc. Um, good to see them play very well as a team offensively. They shot 6% from true shooting. That's impressive. 49%, 49% from the floor. 45% from three, including a big-time flurry late in the game, made 17-20 um, from the free-throw line. So a lot of good things there. Offensive rebounding was uh, was a solid sidebar here. They turned the ball over too much in the second half, I will say, with 10 turnovers after halftime, but still a really, really good offensive performance from the Hawks, and that was the biggest key to winning this game. Defensively, it was better than usual from Atlanta, a 108 defensive rating. That is much better than, the, than their baseline for the season was. And aside from Booker, who beat, who beat them up a little bit, and he, honestly, Booker's a star-level player, so that's that's not a big surprise. Um, and DeAndre Ayton had a good game as well with 20 off the bench for Phoenix. But other than that, pretty good defense overall. And I thought individually a couple of really stand-up performances defensively that we'll highlight here in a second. But, you know, again, snapping a, snapping a losing streak is a good thing. Um, beating Phoenix is not some massive accomplishment because Phoenix is not a great team, but still, um, you know, a nice way to sort of end. Also, the Hawks have a two, uh, have a two-day break here uh, going into Wednesday and Thursday, so um, obviously better to do that off a win and just to stop the bleeding a little bit after a couple of uh, rough losses, I will say, over the weekend. Um, to the individual players in this game, um, we'll go to the bench first. Damian Jones, I thought was very good in this spot. Uh, it was a big game for Damian Jones. You know, Damian's not been the most effective at times this year, but they needed him in this game. He was vital to the Hawks. In fact, he played the fourth most minutes of anybody on the roster today because they just had to do that. And he played well to return some of that favor to Lloyd Pierce. He had 11 points, six rebounds, two assists, a block shot. And was plus 14 in 27 minutes of, of action. He was efficient from the, from the floor, made his only free throw. Defensively, it's always a mixed bag for Damian, but I thought he was actually better than normal in this game. 
And again, um, I said this during the game, but they needed competence from Damian Jones in this game. They just need him to be solid and be effective, and uh, he was able to give them that in this spot. It was a big reason why the Hawks were able to win this game. The rest of the bench was not you know, overly productive. Vince Carter had nine uh, nine minutes and did not, did not score. Alan Crabble only had two points. Those two guys continued to kind of struggle a little bit. Um, Bembry, I thought, was very good in his limited minutes. 22 minutes, but it was mostly defense, but he had two block shots. Did Bembry stuff, just was active, didn't kill them offensively. He made his only three-point attempt. And by the way, that was a big one. I said it before, but Bembry's three stopped the bleeding. And uh, when the run was happening, you just want, you just need one shot to go down, and Bembry's, Bembry was the one that made it. So I thought he was actually pretty, uh, pretty key, and Lloyd Pierce seemed to agree with that after the game. And then Goodwin, 13 minutes off the bench. Uh, he was fine, I thought. Five points, two rebounds, and an assist. He was minus 11, though. You know, he's obviously not Trey Young. He played with Trey a little bit in this game. But uh, Goodwin, you know, he's going to just be the same guy that he usually is, and that's usually enough to sort of hold down the fort without Trey Young. To the starters in this spot, I thought all five guys did some things well in this game. The two guys who were not quite as prolific offensively were Reddish and Hunter. Reddish only had four points, but Pierce went out of his way multiple times in the postgame to talk about how good he was. Um, you know, offensively, it was a mixed bag, to be sure, for Reddish. He was only, only took five shots, which is probably the right thing to do with the way that he was playing. Then had two, had two assists, four points. You know, not great offensively. It's not a huge secret here, but I thought defensively he did a good job. Um, he's done a good job most, most of the year, but he was important in this spot defensively. He was under control. And uh, the thing for me is that he didn't go out and try to do too much and press offensively. He kind of just, you know, fit in after he didn't have he didn't really have it going in this spot. And that's probably a, a good thing, all things considered, with uh, Cam Reddish. Hunter was uh, up and down, didn't play a ton, uh, presumably because of the fouls. By the way, this game finished with Reddish, Hunter, and Collins all having five fouls each. That was uh, interesting, to be to be sure. But Hunter had 15 points. I thought he was very solid. It was one of his better games recently. I, I will say that. 6-12 from the floor, 1-3 of three from 3, and I thought he was uh, pretty pretty solid in his, in his minutes. Um, Collins was good, I thought. 22-10, and 10, no big surprise there. Had three blocks, as I talked about earlier in the podcast. Was efficient. 10-16 from the floor, 2-5 of five from 3. I thought it was good, Collins, for the most part. Um, you know, a couple of matchups where he's playing center and you're gonna you're asking a whole lot of him against, you know, big time size at times from Phoenix. But I thought Collins was good. And obviously it's not a secret that the Hawks need him badly, and uh, but he did he did his job in the way that he only he could in this game. And then the backcourt was just fantastic. Trey Young, 36 points, 10 assists. Um, six turnovers is too many, but still, uh, plus plus twenty two for Trey and thirty eight minutes of play. They needed all of it. You know, he wasn't like incredibly efficient. He was actually only eleven of twenty five from the floor and five of twelve from three. But those numbers are not too bad when you get to the line eleven times and you and you dish out ten assists. Trey was very good, and as as I said before, the fourth quarter was just a masterclass from Trey Young. A couple a couple of four shots, but you you got you have to kind of live with those to some to some degree here. And he just took over. You know, twenty one points in the fourth quarter to put the game away. And uh, you know, Pierce called him a closer. In the post game, that's the way to describe him. Uh, Trey is unguardable when he has it going like that. When he was definitely playing with confidence and playing with swagger, very easy to see why people like him so much when he has it going like that. Um, I, I always enjoy when he's uh, sort of chippy with other guys. I, I think that's a good sign. I think I think you want your best player to be having that attitude and having you know not be shy to go back at other players. And he definitely is not. Uh, him and Ubre was entertaining in the fourth quarter, especially when Young was getting the best of it on the court. So I thought Trey was fantastic in this game. And uh, there you go on that. And finally, Kevin Herter. I said this on Twitter. I think I believe it. I mean, it's one of those things where I'm sure I'm forgetting something along the way. But I thought um, 
knee-jerk reaction here that it was the best game I've ever, I've ever seen Kevin Herter play. Um, and this is obviously, it's only two years, it's only a year and a half, really, of data on Kevin Herter, but he was fantastic in this game. 23 points, 15 rebounds for Kevin Herter. That's a career high by a lot. He actually entered the game with with with, with 10 as at his career high. You know, rebounding individually is kind of an overrated stat at times, um, but 23 and 15 with eight assists for Kevin Herter. Lloyd Pierce talked about the fact that they uh, they they want and they want and they trust Kevin to be that secondary creator. We saw that in this game. Whenever Trey Young left the court, it was a lot of Herter and uh, good Herter. I would say he was efficient. He was eight of fourteen from the floor, four of five from three. Got to the free throw line four times as well. Um, defensively, it wasn't like incredible from Herter in this game. It was just probably more average-ish. But offensively, he was so good and the rebounding and. You know, checking every box. He's been playing better recently anyway, but I thought it was kind of everything coming together for Kevin Herter in this game. I don't want to be hyperbolic, but he was very, very good. The numbers speak for themselves, and, uh, you know, he was huge. It was it was the backcourt in this game. And honestly, the big three, quote-unquote, for Atlanta, the three best players on the team, Young, Herter, and Collins, those guys all played well, and they were the biggest reason why the Hawks won this game. You could definitely, and I, I think I already did, you can give shout-outs to particularly Hunter and Jones, I think, and maybe Bembry as well for guys who like legitimately played well. Rush played well as well um, defensively. So there were definitely some supporting pieces that did their job in this game. But the big three guys combined for you know north of 80 points uh, to go along with 29 rebounds and 18 assists. That's the way the Hawks can win. And Pierce kind of acknowledged that as well after the game. But uh, all three guys were fantastic. I thought Herter, I wanted to make sure I sort of starred him because I thought he was notably better than he normally is he was, just, he was that good? I mean, obviously Trey has these games more regularly than everybody else does, and John, you know, twenty-two and ten is kind of normal-ish for John Collins, but to come out and have twenty-three, fifteen, and eight for Kevin Herter is just pretty, pretty, pretty impressive. And uh, by the way, both Young and Herter played thirty-eight minutes. They needed those guys badly, and they delivered in a big way here. So. With all that said, a busy show tonight, obviously, um, but the Hawks don't play again until Friday. And we'll see how they perform that one. It's a very tough back-to-back, by the way. The Hawks have to go to San Antonio, play at 8.30 p.m. Eastern time tip-off against the Spurs on the road, and then come back home for a normal time 7.30 tip against Detroit. Um, fortunately, Detroit is kind of a mess right now, so that gives you a little bit more optimism, but still a tough, a tough, tough, tough travel. And that explains why the Hawks have two days off before it, but still um, a rough one there. We'll see how they we'll see how they respond. I am planning to do at least one more podcast between now and the game on Friday, so everybody knows that. But please subscribe to the podcast. Please check out um, also the entire Lockdown Podcast Network. Um, I really appreciate everybody's already following our podcast. Go ahead and subscribe, tell a friend, um, leave, leave five-star feedback if you enjoy the program on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or all those places. Thank you for listening, as always, everybody. And if, if you want more information uh, within the, between now and the next podcast, follow me on Twitter at BT Roll and follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Hawks. And we'll see everybody later on in the week.